You are listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Amanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. Heavenly Father, as we come to you now, as we come to your word, we ask that you would uh, strengthen us by that word, that you would encourage us by that word. Uh, And Lord, we ask that you would draw us closer to you. And Lord, you would give us always a good confession of faith in you, even in the midst of all of life's struggles and all those evils that David prayed against this morning. Lord, we ask too that, that by your spirit and through your word that you would keep your household, the church, in a righteousness which comes only from your son Jesus, and from faith. Safeguard that same faith against all adversaries and adversities. And Lord, we ask that, that by this word too, you would encourage us and strengthen us to to help us serve you in good works to the glory of your name through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right, Joshua will have to explain what's going up on up here on the screen this morning. It doesn't look good though, I can tell you that much. There's some, there's some grappling going on. Yeah? Hey, what good Bible stories? Kids, you probably know this Bible story too. What good Bible stories do we have about wrestling? Kids first? Anyone? Anyone? Oh man, alright. We gotta go back to the storybook Bible, children. That's alright. Do we have good Bible stories about wrestling? What is it? Jacob! Yeah. Oh yeah, and remember he finally beat Jesus, or the mysterious figure, and got the blessing, right? No, what happened? What happened? Jacob was just annoying enough to where God himself, Jesus most likely, had to displace his hip to say, okay, stop being annoying. You know the blessing's yours. But he had to teach Jacob a lesson, right? Jacob, you have been fighting your entire life to get this blessing. You've been fighting against your brother. You've been running from enemies. Have you forgotten that the blessing actually comes from me? Well, we're going to meet someone else in our text this morning who is also going to wrestle, in a sense, with Jesus. But the wrestling match is different, and the outcome is different as well. Graham, thank you for reading the text. We're going to read it again here in just a second, but first I want to get you caught up to where we are in Matthew's Gospel. Because even though we've been reading the passages over the last couple of weeks, um, it's not been the well that we've been drawing from. And so let me go back to Matthew chapter 13 and just remind you some of what we've read. Uh, In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus told parables in which these are teaching stories. However, we also found out that these teaching stories don't always make things crystal clear. In fact, sometimes they confuse us with the purpose of uh, questioning our assumptions about who God is and how he works. Um, We also see that 
questioning those assumptions, that Jesus turns the expectations of His disciples, of, of everyone that's following Him, including the Pharisees that are, are constantly nipping at His heels, uh, He turns them upside down. And we see then, in fact, that Jesus is rejected by His own people. In fact, even His hometown. Back when we were in the States last year, we went back to my hometown, and I always think that people are going to reject me. Uh, but maybe I'm not Jesus-y enough. I, I'm not sure what the story is, but they, they keep accepting us there, which I have mixed feelings about. What else happened? Well, John the Baptist had his head removed. Jesus fed thousands with five breads and two fish. Jesus walked on water, pulled Peter up out of the water. Jesus healed a, a whole horde of people that had physical ailments. Simply, they touched his jacket and they were healed. And then we made our way, we make our way today into chapter 15 of Matthew. Um, and right at the beginning, uh, we see the Pharisees talking to Jesus, and uh, they're throwing some accusations his way. Those accusations sound something like this. Hey, hey, why is it, Jesus, that you and your, uh, well, they don't say you. They say, why is it that your disciples don't wash and do all the things like they're supposed to? And Jesus comes back at them, and uh, his argument is this. Hey, why is it that you dishonor your father and mother and totally distort the law for your own benefit and your own damnation? Okay. That's one way to respond to someone that has questions for you, isn't it? Um, I wouldn't suggest that's the route that you always go. Not always the, the fairest evangelism technique, but this is exactly what Jesus does. He says, oh, by the way, you caretakers of the law, you've totally corrupted it. And what did, they, what did he do that was worst of all? He drugged their mothers into it, which, once again, not a good evangelism technique. And yet, that's, what, that's just what Jesus does. Um, and then, uh, after Jesus challenges them on that most basic of law, honor your father and mother, uh, he, he, um, he's going to relent, right? And he's going to give them the gospel. Mm. So, you know, he's been giving them the gospel. For months and months and months and months, as they have followed him around, harassing him, he has been giving them the gospel. So, no, he presses them harder then. And here's, here's what he tells them. All the laws, all, he, he says all the laws that you're telling people to stop, to, to keep on obeying, that is basically Pharisees, you're telling everyone, stop sinning. Hey, do you want to be good with God? Stop sinning. That's what the Pharisees are doing. And the Pharisees are getting uh, frustrated because everyone just keeps on sinning. If they could just have enough holiness, wouldn't God bless them? That's what the Pharisees are thinking at the end of the day. But Jesus tells them something else entirely. He says, you know what? You're actually not going to stop sinning. And it doesn't matter how diligently you wash your hands. Because the kind of filth that you have on you doesn't get stuck on you from the outside. It flows out of you from the inside. Right? We're not sinners uh, because we have sinned. What is it? No, we sin because we're sinners. This is what Jesus is telling them. All the impurity that you think you can just wash off, you're sorely mistaken. 
All the holiness that you think you can muster for yourself isn't going to do you a whole lot of good. You're still going to need God's mercy to save you. But the Pharisees don't want to hear this. Hey, you know what? In the midst of all of this, in this whole chain of events, do you know what Jesus has been trying to do? Take a nap. All he wanted is a nap. Parents, if you have been a parent and you have had children in the house, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All you wanted was a nap. And you crossed land and sea to go and get that nap, or at least that's what Jesus was doing. And everyone just kept following along with him. And he just kept on giving out good news and miracles and feedings. And then they finally escaped to a land that uh, was not a particularly Jewish land. What is this land? Let's go back to our text now. Actually, let me read this for us. Here's the... It's not a great big idea. Bear with me. It's the best I could do this morning. Jesus has come to save you, and He will cause all necessary offense to pull a confession out of you. Jesus has come to save you, and He will cause all necessary offense to pull a confession out of you. All right, and Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, This is not a particularly friendly place to the Jews. They do business there, but this is, as we're going to see, she's called a Canaanite woman. Um, That would be the old word to be used for her. In Mark's gospel, when we went through this passage, she was called a Syrophoenician woman, which just sounds a lot cooler. But what's the big idea? She is a Gentile. For all purpose and effect, she is a Gentile. But by blood, what is she? She's an inbred Gentile. That's what she is. By all intents and purposes, by her blood, she was one of those people in the ancient past when God said, hey, slaughter all the Canaanites and get them out of the land. And she is the, the, the product of generations of God's people being disobedient. And then that people being cut off from the promises of God. Or are they? Well, we read from Isaiah this morning that, 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 that God would make His house a house of prayer for all peoples. Right? We read in our psalm this morning that all peoples. Right? All peoples. And yet also, in Isaiah, in Ezekiel, in 2 Kings, we read that the Canaanites or the Syrophoenicians, ah, these people, uh-uh. They are cut off. They're, there's nothing good in them. In fact, these people are the enemies of those that now live in the land that Jesus has been walking through, ministering to. And so, behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. So here's Jesus with his disciples, seeking a nap, and now someone is chasing him down, crying out to him. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. This woman is not supposed to know who Jesus is, first of all. 
Right? They're cut off from the promises of God, aren't they? Not only that, Jesus hasn't been to this region yet. And yet, this woman does know Jesus. In fact, she knows Him so specifically that she's going to use the old language that her forefathers knew, and she's going to call Him exactly who He is, the Son of David. Think about that good confession. The Pharisees are chasing Him down. Don't you know that you're not following the law good enough? Don't you know that you're just not getting it right? Don't you know, Jesus, that um, all the things you're doing make you impure? Whereas this woman, a Canaanite woman, a pagan, or who we thought was going to be a pagan, chases him down and says, have mercy on me, which tells you something. tells you something about her. She knows that she's a sinner in need of help. It tells you something about what she thinks about Jesus, that he can help her. And it tells you something even more specific that she knows about Jesus, that he is in fact the son of David, who that Savior who is to come, the Messiah. How in the world does she know this? How in the world? Jesus hasn't even been preaching to her. So how in the world does she know this? Anchored Baptist Church, I love this idea that, we're, that we got to read. We, we do. We have to read it out from the text a little bit this morning. By hearsay. By rumor. By whispers, she has heard that Jesus is healing. She has heard that Jesus is feeding the thousands. She has heard that there is a shepherd, just like what Tim preached for us, who has come to collect his lost sheep. And she says, that's me. I'm one of those lost sheep. I'm a sinner in need of salvation. I need mercy. My daughter needs to be saved. So she comes to Him, calls Him Lord, calls Him the Son of David, the One that is that was to come. And she says, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Alright, so now, we're not going to get into angels. I already said that this morning. We're not going to get into demons in great depth this morning. However, there is something that we can say about this demon right here. Okay, um, And it's not specific. In fact, it's extraordinarily generic in general. This demon could be anything. We, uh, look, this could be something that is uh, in her. It could be something that's working on her. Frankly, this just could be the evil of the world that Satan keeps on sowing in the world in order to make sure that everything gets in the way between people and their Savior. So what is the work of Satan? What is the work of Satan and his demons? It's to make sure that anything and or everything will get in the way of you seeing Jesus for who He really is. For you, get in the way of you knowing who God is. So what is this demon that is oppressing her? Um, Angered Baptist Church, we can't say. Uh, I honestly think that you could and should read this as broadly 
as what it could possibly be read. Perhaps she is the victim of some sort of physical or sexual abuse that has been done upon her. And Satan is now standing, using that as a tool to stand between her and God. Totally possible. Is it some sort of addictive substance? Yeah, it could be. Is it actually some sort of manifested evil that has taken up resonance near or around her? It could be that too. No matter what it is, evil is working on this girl. Not only is evil working on this girl, and this girl could be 7, could be 17, could be 27. Have no idea how old this girl is, all right? That was a bit on the high side. Probably 7 to 17, all right? Needless to say, though, there is evil working on this girl. And that evil has one goal, and that evil goal is to keep her away from Jesus. But now Jesus didn't answer her. <laughs> uh, so if someone was chasing you, I tried to do this. I have a, I have a problem blocking out noise, though. And um, uh, our, our children chase me and yell after me sometimes, and I, I can't block them out. Jesus, though, seems to be doing a good job of this, uh, which is a bit odd, right? I mean, Jesus walking through a, cr- a crowd and a, a woman touches his robe and he feels power leave him. He can sense that, but he can't sense this woman screaming at him. What's going on here? What's, what's Jesus' game? Is it a test? I'm not sure. Let's, let's keep reading. Let's find out. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. (laughs) We're going to get a sense for just what the disciples think about this woman. He answered. Now, so he answered his disciples, but the woman is hearing this. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came, and she knelt before... Hey, just in case it didn't sound like prayer enough, have mercy on me. Right? Now she's kneeling in front of him. She called him Lord. Now she's treating him as Lord. She knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And Jesus is going to be gracious. Let's find out. And he answered... It is not right to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. Now you might be tempted to say, did Jesus just call her a dog? And the answer is yes, he did just call her a dog. Um, Look, we could talk about the history here. We don't really need to do that. When you're with a group of people that are just like you, and you see a group of people that aren't like you, In fact, they're very different from you. In fact, the way that they do basically anything and everything offends the way that you do something. What are those people? You don't need to say it out loud. They're different, for starters, right? Uh, What if, though, uh, like in many places around the world, when two people groups fight, what, what starts happening? People don't usually say, 
Ah, well, those blessed humans made in the image of God now must die for the offenses that they've caused. Well, no, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. What do people say? Ah, they're bugs. Let's squash them like bugs. They're animals. This is the way that these good little Jewish boys who were following Jesus were raised to think about a woman like this. That she is a dog. That she is unworthy to sit at the table of the Lord, for sure. She is our enemy. She doesn't get the promises like we get the promises. And so Jesus um, is baiting everyone in the story. He's baiting everyone. He wants to draw them in. He wants all of them to see very clearly now what is about to happen. Look, this woman's already made one good confession. But let's just say, let's just say you want to go back in the text and you want to make an argument and say, wait, wait, listen, listen. She just knows the words to say. She doesn't actually know who this guy is. She just met him. All right, fine. I, I disagree. But fine. Let's go with that. Jesus has drawn her in. She's now saying it a second time. Help me. And the disciples, they want Jesus to lash out at her and say, woman, would you be quiet? Dog, would you be quiet? The word that Jesus uses here is like a little puppy. Um, Tara and I were talking about this the other day. We don't want to get a little puppy again because they wee all over the place and they bite stuff. Uh, you look at a picture of a puppy versus a big dog and you might say, oh, it's so cute. They're not cute. They're horrible little creatures. They chew on everything. They eat socks. you got to take them to the doctor, get the socks pulled out. It's disgusting. They chew on the furniture. They ruin your nice stuff. They're annoying. They yap when they're not supposed to. One of the first nights we got, it was like the third or fourth night we had Muddy, we, we, we put him outside because this is he's going to sleep outside. He's going to be an outside dog. And as he's an outside dog, for three hours, as this little beast climbed up on our picnic table, and he, oh, for three hours. We had the neighbors calling us. Hey, is everything okay at your house? Finally, we brought Muddy back inside so that he could wee all over the floor all night. And um, they're annoying. They're annoying. So could you say, well, Jesus is just calling her a little puppy. That's what my study Bible says, and I believe that. So that's a lot nicer. No, it's not nicer. Jesus is even saying, not only are you gross like a dog, but you're annoying like a dog as well. And this is exactly what the disciples were hoping Jesus would say. Yeah, be quiet, dog. Because all of their hatred for this people group would finally be confirmed. They've been walking around, uh, and Jesus has been saying very dangerous things to the religious leaders. But finally, Jesus is going to get back in everyone's good graces by calling this woman exactly what all the Jews thought that she was, a dog. To which, she responded, how dare you say that to me? No? To which, she responds and says, yes, Lord. Essentially, yeah, that's exactly who I am. I know I don't belong at your table. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. 
Muddy still thinks he's a puppy, still climbs under our dinner table every night, waiting for the crumbs to fall. And this is exactly what she's asking for. Not much. Basically, what she's saying is, Lord, I know that you're so merciful that even the smallest bit of mercy that falls from your table is enough to save me and to save my daughter. And then Jesus answered her, a woman. Now, he went from calling her a dog to this is, um, this is, this is a respectful word for woman that's here. This is the word that Jesus, even though we read it at the wedding at Cana, when Jesus says, oh, woman, we can read it as annoying. It's not annoying. This is, this is the proper respect that Jesus has now uh, been taught since he was a little boy, and he knows to show towards a woman. He says, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed. Instantly. I love this story because it's a simple story. There's not much left for us to say about it. When I preached this passage from Mark, the big idea went something like this, that no one is too far off or too far gone to receive mercy from Jesus. No one is too far off or too far gone. But here, in Matthew's Gospel, the purpose seems very different. Jesus wants to extract, pull out, that good confession of faith. And in the midst of that, we see God's Word working powerfully. Even the good news of Jesus, as hearsay and as rumor, can save someone from their sin. Not only that, Jesus' very word to someone that says, let it be exactly what you wanted done, let that happen. And she's healed instantly. Let there be light. Because wherever the word of God goes, that word of God acts powerfully. It acts upon us. What is the disciples' confession after this? Look, we, we could open up to Matthew. Matthew's going to keep on marching forward. And we see it all the time. We see the disciples making good confessions of faith and then very bad ones. And good ones and then turning away and then good ones and then being confused, just like we do. This woman as a disciple, her journey is not going to be any different. But here, now, in her moment of need, when she realizes that not only she has needed to repent of her sin, but she knows that she needs much greater help than what anyone can offer, she knows there's only one place that she can turn, and that's to Jesus. Angered Baptist Church, when we come to God's Word each and every week, um, I know... I know. Uh, I know that it can become repetitive. It can become something that it feels like, yeah, wait, I've heard that before. I need to hear something else now. 
Here's the truth of it. We take so seriously these words from Jesus this morning, the actions of this woman this morning, that every time we are talking about this, this topic, this thing, faith, every time we're talking about Jesus, who is our faith, we see this as a matter of life and death. And when we're not treating it like that, then we are not giving it the seriousness that it deserves. Here, this Canaanite woman, this Syrophoenician woman, this woman that was, by all intents and purposes, expected to be a pagan, (laughs) Uh, she understands the seriousness of the faith that she has been gifted. She understands the, the consequences of what it means when she hears that the word of the Lord is on the loose and it is a word of good news. Not only that, it is a word of good news that is going to be a guide to all nations so that all peoples would praise the Lord. That the foreigners themselves would be joined to the Lord. What about in Isaiah, we read this morning, it says here that everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant. What about this, this Syrophoenician woman? What about this Canaanite woman here? What does the writer of Hebrews tell us? That Jesus is our Sabbath rest. <laughs> Jesus might be looking for a nap, but it's hard to get a nap when you are the rest of the whole wide world, right? This woman knows where to find rest. Where, how is she going to keep the Sabbath? She's going to run to Jesus right now. She doesn't live on that holy mountain. How in the world is she going to be welcomed to it? How in the world is she going to be a part of of God's house, His temple? Or what does the writer of Hebrews tell us? That Jesus is that better temple. He's actually that better mountain where we are all people of all kinds going to worship. And this woman has just made it to that mountain. This woman has just made it to her Sabbath rest. A house of prayer for all peoples. She comes to Jesus on her knees. Have mercy on me. Help me. As the disciples learned earlier, they know there's only one thing that can drive out that kind of demon. Prayer. Calling upon God for mercy. For help. So, Anchored Baptist Church, you are called this morning to make a good confession of faith. And I'm here to promise you that when you hear God's Word to you, He's not just telling you some words to keep in your front pocket for when you need them. He's not just challenging you with strange texts where a woman's getting called a dog for no reason. Jesus, by His Word, wants to cause you every possible offense so that by any means necessary, He will draw out of you that good confession of faith.
Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.